your right. Any of our sweet youngins are coming from the balcony too to go to Children's Church. So Miss Carrie's gonna wait for you right here. Hey buddy, how's going on, Eli? How you bud? Hey, man, y'all take your time, no rush. We just want to make sure they all have time to get to Children's Church. It's the greatest show in Heflin today, because Michael's there, and he, he's going to be, hey, darling, hey there. Hey, man, hey, is anybody, when you hear that song, do you ever just stop and think about where you were the day the Lord saved you? Do you ever do that? You think about where you were, what was going on, and maybe the shape you was in, does it still amaze you that he had come to where you were? That, that, you know, there's an old song that says, when I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. Aren't you grateful for that? Anybody grateful? I'm grateful. I want to make sure that we are grateful for what he did for us. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I call your attention to God's word. There, I'm going to borrow one of these, Martin. Uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, if you would find verse 8 is where we'll pick up today in our journey through this chapter. It teaches us so much, and we're calling it uh, some developments of the last days. It gives us a lot of what's going on um, just prior to our Lord's return and certainly gives us some insight to things that we're even dealing with right now in our world. We see so much that we cannot explain, so much that we have no answer for, and it's not just that we common folk don't have answer for it, even real smart folk don't either, amen? But I want you to know that I believe with all of my heart that our Lord and his word has the answers for everything we need in this life, I really do. I, the Sunday school lessons this past month so just really one of my favorites about Elijah, I kind of identify with Elijah a lot, and I've never raised anybody from the dead like we learned this morning. Well, not literally. I've, I've seen the Lord raise some people spiritually from the dead, but him nevertheless, but from a, a literally physical dead. But when you think about his situation, there he is, and he's in a difficult place. There's been no rain, and even the place God sent him, uh, the water dried up there too. God supernaturally fed him with the ravens and but he was still in the midst of a mess. You know, I had a man ask me the other day, just this week, he said a friend of his in his church asked him a question and he said he was really glad to be talking to a real smart guy like me and y'all get a laugh out of that, right? So he wanted, an, wanted to know if I could help him find an answer. He said his friend asked him, said, in all that's going on in the world, especially with what's taking place with COVID-19 and things like that, why is God not protecting the church from this so that we could uh, meet together without any fear? Why is God allowing this dreaded virus to affect so many of his people? He could not understand that. And I said, well, it made me think of my Sunday school lesson that when Elijah was in the wilderness and there was no rain, it didn't rain on the other people and it didn't rain for him either. He was in the world. He had to deal with what was going on. Other people's brook dried up and so did his. So he had to deal with the conditions around him even though he was God's man. Amen? So we see how God did that for him and as we go through these times, we can find great comfort in how God never leaves us. God never forsakes us. He loves us with an everlasting love. And I'm just grateful to be his child today, amen? I'm grateful that he called my 
grateful that he went to the cross for sinners such as I. So as while we're in this world of uncertainty, just remember, you are a child of God on mission, shining the light of the gospel wherever you go. And I want you to understand that the troubles that the whole world is facing, the church is facing too. But I want you to know we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Amen. We have an everlasting hope in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's back up, if we will, to verse 5. And if you found your place and physically able, won't you stand with me? Honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God because this is the same context. We talked about verses 5, 6, and 7 last week, the week before verses 1 through 4. We're going to make hopefully verses 8, 9, and 10 today and then come back next week and, and talk about verses 11 and 12, Lord willing, a week, a week from after next, Lord willing. Notice what the scripture says in verse five. Paul saying again that great question, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Referring to the prophecies there in verses one through four. Verse six, he says, and now you know what is restraining and that he may be revealed in his own time. And we talked about that last week. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who is now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And I shared with you how that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He will still be here. He will still be around available. He will still be working. But because after the rapture of the church, the church meets the Lord in the air, he is not taken out of the world. He is just taken out of the way. The working that he did in the church age will cease, but he will certainly not be taken away just out of the way. But notice verse eight. And then when the lawless one will be, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word. Help us as your children to gain a greater understanding of what your word teaches us about the things that are going on around us now, the things that will develop in the days ahead, and how we are to behave and respond to an unbelieving world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Last week we learned about the restraining work of the Holy Spirit and how he is literally restraining. He is the force that prevents the coming of the Antichrist and the beginning of the day of the Lord. I'm grateful for the restraining work of the Holy Spirit today, aren't you? I'm grateful that he is working through believers in whom he is indwelt. I'm grateful for the work that he is doing through us. When he is taken out of the way, as I said just a moment ago, there will be nothing there will be no one else on earth to prevent the day of the Lord nor the rise of the Antichrist. We also learned last week that according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, that there are many Antichrists who have come, little a, not a capital A, 
many with the spirit of Antichrist, many who have spread deception, lies, and lawlessness. The Bible teaches us in 1 John chapter 2, 18 about that and how because of this we realize that we are living in the last hour. But what does the Bible teach us about this world leader who will rise upon the world scene during the time of the day of the Lord? I want to tell you why we're spending time studying this subject. It's because I want to do the best I can to help you understand that this book is no fairy tale. That what is going to take place in the days ahead in this world is very real and is very important for us to know so that we can live righteously, soberly in this present world and that we can warn those who continue to reject Jesus Christ as Savior because rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior is the only sin that we can commit that will cause a person to spend eternity in hell. The only one that cannot be forgiven is the one where we would reject him and never receive him as Lord and Savior in our lifetime. So why should our realization of the nearness of the return of the Lord for his church cause us to live with such a urgency for the gospel in these last days? Well, I believe it's important for us to understand these things and I'm gonna talk about one major thing, one major point today. I'm reminded of my old seminary professor, Stan Wilkins. He used to tell me, he'd say, Brent, uh, you can have as many points as you want to in a sermon. There's only one point to every sermon and his name's Jesus Christ. I like that, amen? So anything that I say to you today, whether it is instructing or trying to help educate us as a body, on the subject of the Antichrist, it is to point you to the authentic Christ. Let's talk today about the revelation of the Antichrist and let's see what uh, Paul is teaching the church about that today. In verse four, we read earlier in this text that he is one who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. Let's just say, right here, we could put it in the margin of our Bible, this guy's got a big problem. He's got an ego of egos. I mean, he makes Ric Flair look like a humble person, amen? All you WWE people can say amen, right? I'm just making sure I'm among friends. But nevertheless, I mean, you're $100, six skin shoes, limousine riding, jet flying. You know what I'm talking about. He makes him look like a real common, humble guy. But nevertheless, he exalts himself above all that is called of God or worship. And this type of rebellion, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing new to our world. It is not like this is not taking place. It's taking place all around us. It began in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember when the serpent came to Eve and said to her, why are you not eating off that tree over there? Uh, why, you not, why can you have all this other stuff but you've got to leave that particular tree alone? And she said, well, God said, the day that we eat of that, we're going to die. And here's what he said. Has God really said that? Has God really said that if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you will die? Do you really think he meant that? Can I tell you that same lie is being spread all across the world today? 
Because Bible-believing preachers can stand before congregations, they can sit in front of a computer and do blog posts and video chats and Zoom calls and everything else and preach the Word of God without fear, favor, or compromise. And there will be people walk away and say, I just don't know if I really believe that. Ladies and gentlemen, in the garden, that's where it began. It's nothing new. It was evident throughout the Old Testament in the falls of the kings. But the Antichrist, which his name means one who is against Christ or one who is in place of Christ, will claim all worship for himself above the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all of my heart we've got to take a little look in this today. We're going to look at verses 8, 9, and 10 and just see what the scripture tells us. Two things I want you to know about the Antichrist today. One, I want you to know about his dominion. Here's what the Bible says in the first part of verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. I want you to just put a line right there. Then the lawless one will be revealed. Well, when will that day come? After the falling away, after the snatching away of the church According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and Revelation, in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. The Bible says in verse 8 again, let me remind you, and then the lawless one will be revealed, and then I want you to look down at verse 9. Stop there and look at verse 9. Look at the first part of it. The Bible says the coming of the lawless one is according to what? The working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. The working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. When the Antichrist rises upon the scene, the world will be in utter chaos. After the rapture of the church, I mean, we think we've seen trouble now. We think we've seen chaos. We've seen nothing. The world will be in utter chaos. And I want you to know this leader will rise upon the scene and he will appear to be the man with all the answers. The Bible says that he will work according to the work of Satan, which literally means this. The word working in the original language is where we get our English word energy. The word describes power in action. He will not just be a man of worldwide power. He will be a man who exhibits that authority in action around the world. He will literally be energized by Satan to deceive the world in four ways. And let's just walk through those together, okay? The first one he will do is he will be able to deceive with all power. That means he will be a man who works miracles. He will experience, he will exhibit supernatural acts of Satan's power on earth. And that's what I want you to understand is that not only is God powerful, Satan is powerful, but he's not all powerful, amen? His power of matching to God is no match whatsoever. You see these things sometimes on social media where people have Jesus and the devil arm wrestling and they'll say, who you think's gonna win? Y'all seen that? Click which one you're for. I mean, he's not here for a popularity contest and I've got some great news for you today. It's not if he will win, he's already won. Hey, listen here, and if you're a child of the Most High God today, not just as he won, you've won too. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. It was won at the cross. 
There is no battle for power, but we cannot ever eliminate in our minds the fact that Satan is powerful. That's why when people, you know, you want to rebuke the devil, I've talked to y'all about that, and let me remind you in case you forgot. You meet these people sometimes who say, well, I tell you, when the devil comes after me, I just rebuke him. I'm telling you right now, you're on dangerous ground because he is stronger than you. You don't call on yourself. You don't call on your power. You don't call on anything else under heaven to overtake and help you to stand against the devil. You must call upon God to be the one who stands in the gap and rebukes the devourer for your sake. You've you got to trust him to do that. You cannot defeat the devil on your own. I've seen people try. We've all probably tried a time or two. It doesn't work. He'll be a man of great miracles and supernatural acts that will astonish people, mesmerize people. He'll be a man of signs, which refers to the fact that these signs and miracles that he performs will be of great significance. I'm always reminding people, and I've had well-meaning Christians get upset at me before when I would caution them about asking God for a sign. I'll tell you why. Because I want you to know if you're a Christian and you're making a difference for the kingdom, you get on Satan's radar. And he and his de demons, they listen. You don't believe in demons. Well, I want to tell you what, if you teach elementary school, you do, Amen. <laughs> Woo, can I get a witness in the house no no listen no no uh, those fallen angels that were cast out of heaven when Satan when Lucifer rebelled against Satan they are working to, to bring deception and all sorts of difficulty for the church they're at work today and when you make a difference and you start asking for signs, Satan, listen here, him and his demons have the ability to hear and they can provide false signs to lead you in a way that you think God is leading you instead of the way he's really leading you. Be very careful about that. But in this time, in the days of great tribulation, people are gonna be mesmerized by the miracles, the signs, and then the thirdly, the wonders this describes things of astonishing results. He will perform miracles that will shock the world as the world stands in awe of him. And then it says that he will do this with all unrighteous deception. Here's what that means to you and I. He will stop at nothing. No power of the earth will be able to stop him. Here's what John MacArthur said. He said he will muster all the evils, all of evil's undiluted, unrestrained, seductive power to tempt the world to give him unprecedented power over it. It's amazing today how so many times uh, people just think that there's no way anything like this could happen. I want you to know the things we see happening in our world today make me even more convinced that they will. I want you to know I see in our country a total falling away from God, a total disrespect for God and leadership. And I'm not just talking about the White House, I'm talking about your house and mine too. If we're not careful, we can have a total disrespect for God. We can do things to just appease people, just to go along, to be along. And I'm here to tell you today, it is a very, very dangerous place to be. But the world is ripe 
And after the restraining force of the Holy Spirit and the presence of praying, God-fearing people who are born again are taken from this world, there will be nothing to keep this man from rising to power. So who will fall prey to all of his wicked schemes? Here's what the scripture says. Those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. Wow. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think, wait a minute. There are gonna be so many who fall for this because in the day of grace, that's where we are right now. In the day of grace, hear me. If you are an unsaved person today and you've never trusted Jesus, you've never repented of your sins, you've never given your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, hear me, hear me clearly. Right now is your opportunity. Today is your day of grace. And if you pass up this opportunity, this will describe you in tribulation. Because they did not receive the love of the truth, they will perish. You see, their refusal of the love of the truth of God except his free gift of salvation will lead to eternal condemnation. Well, that's why I like Romans 8, 1, don't y'all? I love Romans 8, 1 because here's what it says to the body of Christ. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Friend, I'm here to tell you today that the sovereign God of the universe, the sweet Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless substitute for the sins of the world, stands with their arms outstretched, pleading you to come to them while there's still time, and the Holy Spirit of God is moving among the people, flowing from breast to breast, and I want you to know today he is pleading with you to come so you don't have to experience condemnation. Here's what the Bible says. Even though there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, according to John 3, 18, if you do not believe, you are condemned already. You ever hear people say, I don't want to go back up there to the Baptist church because that preacher made me feel condemned. Look here. If you walk out of here today and say that, I want you to know it will not be true because here's what I'm telling you. I have no ability to condemn you, no authority to. But here's what the Bible says. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ and repented of your sins, you are living under condemnation, but he wants to take it away. That's why he went to the cross. I believe we've been born again to make a difference, don't you, church? We talked Wednesday night about living inside out again and not not living with a spirit of churchianity. Y'all know what churchianity is? Is you've learned so much about how to do church, you left Jesus out of it, and he don't have anything to do with it. You're just doing church. You're just doing things your way, not doing things his way. Living with an inward focus and not an outward focus. Living for who's in here and not who's out there that needs to be in here, who needs to be a part of the body of Christ. Now, we've been born again to make a difference, and listen, I'm grateful to God that we're not born again or saved by good works, aren't you? That would be a good place to say amen right there because I want to help you with something. If we could only receive salvation based on our level of good works, 
There's not a person on the planet who would be able to come up with enough in a hundred lifetimes to overcome the sin debt that one person owes. Not at all. We're not saved by works, but here's what James says. We're saved by faith that works. We're not saved by works, we're saved unto good works. So that means you don't do works to get saved, but when you get saved, y'all do good stuff because a good holy God lives in you. Amen? That's what he's saying. So it's important we understand that. I heard Tony Evans say this day, he asked this, this week he asked this question. He said the kingdom of God and the family of God ought to benefit from our redemption. He said, we must ask ourselves, how has the kingdom of God benefited from my redemption? How much return has Jesus got on the investment he put in you and me? Woo! Hey, look here. How much, in, how much return has he got? I mean, are you just one of those folks who just says, hey, I'm just glad I'm saved. I'm sitting at the bus station with my thumb out waiting for Jesus to take me home. The bus might come by and you might get left. I'm just telling you because I'm here to tell you today when you get born again by the grace of Almighty God and he takes over your life, he transforms you, he cleans you up, he fills you up. I wanna tell you, you can't help but praise him. You can't help but serve him. You can't help but give him glory. Why? Because he's good. <laughs> he's so good. Every one of us today would do good to look into the mirror of the word of God and say, how much return has God got on his investment in me? Wow. Beloved, I want to tell you, this is why we must be faithful. We must be faithful to proclaim with words and to project and promote through our lives the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's his dominion. But I want to talk to you about one other thing. I want to talk to you about his destiny. His dominion looks pretty powerful, doesn't it? Looks like he's large and in charge. Looks like hell's having a heyday on earth, and during that time he will. The Bible also tells us something about his destiny. Go back up to verse eight with me, if you will, okay? Remember, we just read the first part, and then the lawless one will be revealed, but... Pick up right here with this word, whom. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. I don't know about y'all, but I get Holy Ghost goosebumps just reading that, don't you? See, even though he may appear to be all-powerful, his reign of terror will come to an end. Notice what some of these words mean. The word consume means to slay means to make an end of. I read this this week that said the very breathing of the glorified Jesus will slay the lawless one like the blast of a fiery furnace. Wait a minute. The very breath of the glorified Son of God is all it's going to take to do away with this man who has spread so much evil on earth during the time of great tribulation. You say, I don't believe that, preacher. Well, I do. And I'm going to tell you how I can believe it. The same breath that the glorified Son of God will use to destroy and consume and slay 
the Antichrist. It's the same breath that God the Father used to create the world. He spoke, and there it was. Big bang, amen? God spoke, boom, and there it was. The same bread that God used to create the world is the same bread Jesus will use to consume the Antichrist. Hey, look here. It's the same breath that God breathed into the life, into the life of Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. You see, the same breath that created the world, the same breath that gave life to man, the same breath that swung into the upper room in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost and gave life to the church. Oh, it's that same breath. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it is the breath that created the world. It is the breath that gave life to man. It is the breath that gave energy to the church. It will be used to liberate the world from the fear and terror of the reign of Antichrist. Hey, listen, the Lord will consume him with nothing more than his breath. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we wonder today why we preachers stand and we sweat, we spit, we thump our feet, we do everything we can to get your attention. Here, here's why. It's because he's worth it. You tell me somebody else that can do that. <laughs> the little boy came up to me one time years ago. His parents said, our son would like to ask you a question, preacher. I said, all right, go ahead. So I bent down there to him. I said, yeah, what is it, bud? He said, can you tell me why you yell at us? And I said, sure. I looked at him, pretended like mom and daddy wasn't on. I said, I'm trying to get your mom and daddy's attention. Amen. Oh, they went on to the house, got them some chicken. Amen. Come on, son. I'll get it. Don't listen to him anymore. They, they loaded me up first. No, 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 listen to me. I do what I do and others do what we do. One, because God loved us. Two, he called us. And three, we care. We really care. We care about how you live. We care about how you behave. We care about how you operate. And we care about the fact that you need faith in a holy God to remind you that he's still in charge. So what else he said. He's not just gonna consume him, slay him. He says he's gonna destroy him. Destroy. He said he will destroy him by the brightness of his coming. Whoo. Hey, look here. The word destroy, here's what it means. It means to abolish or render ineffective or inoperative. He's saying, not only are you destroyed, but your days of terror and evil operation are over. Wow. So let's go back and revisit just a moment here, if you will. The sad portrait of the people who are perishing for eternity because they rejected Jesus Christ. Remember I told you earlier in the sermon that really stirred my heart to think about those. And you might be right here today and you're still rejecting Jesus and you think you got plenty of time. You may think you'll just wait and see what happens on the other side and see if I know what I'm talking about. 
But if that's you today, he's talking about you right here. He talked about how they would perish because they rejected the Lord. I learned this from John Phillips this week. Great Bible teacher. He's with Jesus now. He got to hear him preach in person a few times. Strong British accent. I love reading his books. When I read his books, it's almost like I hear him talking to me in that accent. But he talked about the danger of rejection of truth. And I got to give you this. I want you to stay with me for two minutes here. You need to know this. He said there is a danger of rejection of truth. He said it's threefold. I wish I'd have put this on the screen, but I didn't. I'm sorry. He said rejection involves the heart because it said in the scripture they love not the truth. Rejection involves the mind because it says they believe not the truth. And it involves the will because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Tony Evans said, when you reject the truth, you invite lies into your life. Did you hear that? When you reject the truth, you invite lies into your life. Does anybody like to be lied to? Please don't say you or me. No, no, nobody likes to be lied to. It, it, it hurts your feelings when folks lie to you, don't it? it? It causes you to lose confidence when people lie to you. So look here. But he's saying this, when you reject the truth, here's what you're doing. You're inviting all the lies of the devil into your life. He said the word of God is truth, therefore we should measure everything by scripture. Yesterday I had an interesting experience. Minding my own business, cutting grass. One of my most therapeutic things I do every week. I like to cut grass, all right? I really do. When I was growing up, I cut grass because I was told to. And if I didn't, there was something coming that I would not like. So I did it out of fear and obedience, <laughs> fearful obedience. But I like to cut grass. I've learned what a therapy time it is but yesterday my therapy was interrupted you ever happened to you Ray have a little therapy you know like when out there paving the road and people don't look at I mean you got to sign up and it says stop and that don't mean even slow down to them. I know my therapy got interrupted I just mind my own business Marty just whipping around on my zero turn man y'all if you got that's fun I wish we'd had one of them when I was a kid man that's more fun than the go kart right man just I'm just having a big time. And all of a sudden, I start feeling this stinging sensation here and here and here. I'm like, uh-oh, I know what that means. Mr. Yellow Jacket is not happy with me. I did not know. You know, Yellow Jackets, they're like the devil. You don't know they're there because they come up out of the ground. I remember the first time I ever got stung by a Yellow Jacket. Y'all, you probably do too. I was hanging out over, I was, Miss Mary Mary, I was in, Sherry and Jimmy Perkle's yard. They were my neighbors. And, and they were they about half raised me. And sorry it didn't turn out better for them. Just, you know, but yeah. But I uh, I, I love them so much. And me and old Mont, we were buds. He was three and I was five when we moved into the neighborhood there. So we're out there and we're we we're doing we're digging with Tonka trucks. I mean, kids need more Tonka trucks today, amen. Get them dirty. Get some fingernails upon them. Oh, yes, I, I'm out there in the dirt. We're talking to her. Next thing we know, guess what? We done hit Mr. Yellow Jacket. And boy, I had them in my socks. Every time Sherry sees me, she'll say, remember one of you? I'm like, how can I forget? I like to die. 
So yesterday I had a remembrance of that. So I'm cutting the grass and all of a sudden I'm getting stung and I've got about 18 more zeroing in on me. So I just did a real spiritual prayer. I said, Lord, this lawnmower's got 22 horses. I'm gonna give it all it's got and I need to get up that hill faster than these bees can fly. <laughs> so thankfully I got away with three stings and I'm good, I'm good, okay. Reminded me of a story I heard about a man and his son. Man saw his son's shoulder, a yellow jacket landed. You know, you gotta be real quick because they drop that stinger pretty fast. And he reached over and he took that bee into his hand and he held it in his hand. And after a minute, he took it out and he gave it to the boy. He said, it won't bother you now. He said, Daddy, how do you know it won't bother me now? He said, because here's a stinger. He ain't got one. It can't bother you now. Well, Daddy, if that bee was about to sting me, why did you let it sting you instead of me? He said, because I love you, son. And I want to protect you. And I didn't want it to hurt you. Oh, my. I got the thing about 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Because you see, you know what Jesus did? He took the stinger at Calvary. At Calvary, he took the stinger. And you know why he took it? So he wouldn't have to. I don't care if you're a Presbyterian. That ought to make you turn somersault. He said, the father says, son, they're all going to burn in hell forever. Oh, no. But they're not going to burn because we don't have a backup plan. We don't have a plan B. We have a plan that was foreordained before the foundation, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He went to Calvary. We'll still have pain in this life. There's still physical death in this life. Thanks be to God. It is not for eternity. He took the stinger. So you don't have to. Friend, hear me today. If you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus, I'm not here trying to coerce you. I'm not here trying to manipulate. I'm just presenting the gospel and I'm pleading with you to quit putting off making your decision for Jesus. Today is a day of salvation. If you're in this building and you're concerned about people that you know that are still rejecting and in danger of eternal perishing without God, I pray that you'd just really get an urgency to get the gospel to them any way you can. Time is running out. We cannot procrastinate any longer. We must get the gospel because the Antichrist, yes, he's coming. But I want to remind you that I point you to the authentic Christ. And when you know him, you'll never have to worry about the Antichrist. Pray with me.
Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for how this word challenges my heart to be faithful in all things. Father, right now in this room, I plead with those who have yet to receive you, continue to reject you. Oh God, may this be their day. This be the day, God, that you speak to them in such a powerful way. There's nowhere else to turn except to Jesus. And God, may this be a day for your church to understand the importance and the urgency of sharing and living God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand our feet all across the house. In just a moment, Marty's going to lead us. And when he does, if God has spoken to your heart today, friend, please, please honor the Lord making your decision. We'll be glad. We're here to meet you. We'll help you. Because where you spend eternity matters more to us than anything in this world. And we plead with you to come. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. Church, you respond as God speaks to your heart. Let's make us our prayer this morning. Change my heart, oh God. seated and as you're being seated our ushers are coming to receive our morning tithes and offerings and as they're coming I want to encourage you to be faithful today uh, be faithful we have a great uh, August and just uh, continue to uh, 
touch the world as God is using us to do, beginning right here at our front door and going to wherever he sends us. It's just a real blessing to be a part of that. And your faithfulness, my faithfulness has so much to do uh, with how God blesses and how he uses us in the future. I know I'm old school on some things and I don't believe all the old school stuff's bad, y'all. I still believe that the tithe is holy unto the Lord. I know there's a lot of folks in my generation younger that are out telling churches differently and that's uh, between them and the Lord. But as for me in this house that I serve, I'm going to keep that in front of you, that the tithe is holy unto the Lord. And I believe when you're faithful, we talked about that rebuking the devourer stuff a little bit ago. That's in the context of your faithfulness to give, Malachi chapter 3 there. He said, when you're faithful, he said, I'll fill your barns up. Y'all believe that? I mean, overflowing, fill them up to overflowing. Won't be able to explain it. Kind of like Elijah, the lady you know said, we're just going to cook a cake and die. Me and my boy going to eat and we're done. He said, ma'am, I tell you, you cook that cake and you give it to me. He said, your barrel will always have enough to get you by. And I just want you to know, when we cook our cakes, we give to the Lord. We just trust him. I'm grateful that he will get between us and the devourer. I believe that's important for us to never forget. So we give today. Let's give cheerfully and sacrificially with joy in our heart, not grudgingly nor necessity, but just believing that God will take it and multiply it and use it for his glory. Join me as we ask God's blessings on our giving today. Father God, Lord, we come to you at this time of service, Lord, to ask you to to bless us. Lord, to ask you to help us to be faithful and obedient to you. And Lord, ask us to be generous in giving back to you a portion of what you've blessed us with. Lord, as a church body, I pray that you just give us wisdom, Lord, to use these things, Lord, that you'll be glorified and that others will be amazed at how you're working here through this local congregation. Lord, I pray that you'd keep this congregation healthy and well, and Lord, that you'd just strengthen us to be about your business. Lord, as I believe that the the day is drawing near that you're coming, Lord, as we're studying about. Lord, I pray that for the one out there, Lord, that's holding on, that's holding the back of that pew and won't just give in and and trust you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day. Lord, I pray that they'd stop us on the way out, Lord, and we would be able to lead them to you. Lord, I thank you for a pastor that holds tight to the word of God and, Lord, that's uh, unashamed about uh, sharing it with us and pointing it out to us, Lord, the things that we need to be about in your world. Lord, all these things we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
scripture tells us that we're to, as the redeemed, it says, let the redeemed say so. Y'all believe that? I believe all of my heart that we that God has given us a, a, uh, a testimony and not a testimony to keep but one to share and one that can be used to lead others to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this week as you go out, I want to encourage you to share that with somebody. Share what Jesus has done for you, whether big or small, it doesn't matter. Just be faithful to that. And share how good he's been. Invite somebody to be with you, Gridiron Day, next week. I mean, it's going to be a great time of worship. We'll have tube steaks after the, after the service. If you don't know what that is, oh, boy, I tell you what, you're in for a treat. Amen. But, no, well, we're going to have a great time together. But until then, you know, we've learned a lot in these past 18 months. And we've learned we can make all the plans. I've got it on the front of my, my calendar and on my journal. Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We can plan a lot of things, and our plans may change for next week. Who knows? But we're going to keep them out there. And we're going to keep chasing the lines. We're not going to run from them. We're going to be faithful in whatever the Lord leads through. I believe he'll lead us through. Amen. So this week, let's look for a great week. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock for everybody, children, students, and adults. Uh, choir's practicing this afternoon at 4.30. If you'd like to be a part of music ministry in the choir, that would be a great time to join in. So choir will be practicing this afternoon, and we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday and, of course, next weekend for Gridiron Day. And don't let me forever get to tell you, this was something that blessed me a day. I was at band camp. Where's Noah at? He's up there somewhere. I said, there's Noah. Noah's in the balcony. It's blessed me so much. We was at band camp lunch, and I was talking to the band, and I said, Noah, what I tell y'all every week? Noah, Noah said, God loves you, and I love you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Boy, it blessed me. Boy, I appreciated Noah. Boy, he's, he's an eighth grader and was bold enough in front of the entire band to say, yeah, I know that, and that meant so much to me. So thank you for blessing me, Noah. That was a real blessing. So we had a great had great time serving this week in five of our schools. Thank you to every person that served, and we just pray that we can continue. I had a teacher come to me in one of the schools and say, she goes to another church, and here's what, in a different county, and here's what she said. My pastor tells us every week when we leave to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and she said, I really believe Heflin Baptist Church is be in the hands and feet of Jesus. Hey, that is a wonderful, wonderful testimony for you. I give God all the glory. I give you all the credit for serving. I'm just glad he lets me be a part of that. And I love y'all so much. And I do love you. There's not a thing you can do about it. And that's you too, Clara. Amen. Smile at me, all right? I picked on you Wednesday night. and you Was it Wednesday or last Sunday that I picked on? Talk about her and Jimmy Bragg. And Wednesday, was it Sunday? Wednesday, her and Jimmy Bragg out here when the church was built in 1882 playing out front. I did. And I said, now, I'm going to go ahead and fess up because y'all going to tell on me and Clara get me. But no, I love y'all and I, I like old people. I'm, I'm beginning to be one. So anyhow, but I, I do. I love you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. God's got a great future ahead for us. I really believe that in spite of what's going on. And we're just going to trust him, right? Let's stand together. Marty's going to sing us out and I'll go around and catch you out front. Sorry.